A reading from the book of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's great to see you this morning here. It's great to have a special guest taking our pulpit here in just a minute, but I'd first like to introduce you to our guest, Rashawn Frost. Rashawn is many things to many people. He is a former a defensive lineman from Auburn University, former defensive line coach to various colleges and universities. He then was called to ministry, and he has a master's in education, a master's of divinity, and he's pursuing a PhD in public theology as we speak. And um, he runs something called One Charleston, which is a collective of leaders in churches seeking to live out this ministry of reconciliation in Charleston here and beyond. He's also the founding pastor of the Bridge Church in Charleston. But a couple of other things I'd like to highlight about my friend Rashawn. First, he's not as smart as his wife, Deanna. Amen? She has a PhD and an MD and is a professor and a medical doctor at our own MUSC. And the second extra point I'd like to make about Frosty is that he specializes in Krav Maga in jiu-jitsu. And in fact, um, Steve Kramer, one of our elders, says, I love uh, Frosty except when he's pinning me on the mat. So with that introduction, whether you're at home or here in person, would you either snap your fingers or clap your hands and welcome Frosty to the pulpit today? Amen, Paul. Thank you for that introduction. I'm going to tell you this, and, and uh, it is good to be with you guys. Steve, I tell you what, I want to be like you when I grow up. And so I, I enjoy being able to fellowship with you guys and to train and to li- live life and, and more importantly, to see the work of God done in our cities. And so before we get started, let's, let me pray briefly for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And so, God, I pray at this moment as the word is being proclaimed that you are preparing our hearts. Lord, move me out of the way and let your spirit flow, God, that, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, as, as Paul said, and I appreciate our friendship as we've got a chance to know each other over the last couple of years and, and just hearing the work that you're doing. And, and for you guys as well, I, I want to be able to to take you somewhere briefly in this moment of time, and it's a locker room. 
You know, for those of us that have been involved in sports, we understand that in the locker room, we build community there. We, we get our orders there, that we, uh, we find our best friends there, that, that we live life in community through the locker room. But there's one thing, regardless of the sport, regardless of the venue, that you do in a locker room that, you do, that, that is not the, the objective of it all. In other words, you do all this stuff. You do life in a locker room, but you do not play a game in a locker room. Name a sport where the game is played in the locker room. There is none. Now, granted, you can win in a locker room based on the community. You can lose a game in a locker room because of community, but you cannot play the game. And so the question that I have for us is, is do we get excited about life in the locker room or do we get excited about life on the field? Let me bring it in a little bit closer. Our, as If we are the church, the body of Christ, the fellowship of believers, if we're walking this thing out, do we get excited about doing God's mission beyond Sunday or are we content with just doing church? I think we understand that the context that we're in now with COVID, it, a lot of people are having to redefine what it means to do church, what it means to be the church. Even in the context that you guys are working this thing out, you guys got this thing down to a science, but even, to a, even at this point, we still got to walk this thing out where we live, work, and play. The thing is that we're called to be God's family on mission. That is the church. So today, we're going to talk about this idea from the text of what our kingdom mission is. So there are three things that I'm going to, I'm going to give you about the, the, the church, about God's family on mission, our kingdom mission. And I'm just going to say it briefly, and then we'll break it down. One is that the church is the outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land. Two is that God's agenda must be our agenda. And three, God's cry must be our cry. See, one of the things that I'm learning and I've learned as, as I'm church planning is how do we have a heart for our city and what does it look like to meet the needs of the city based on where we are and based on where the people are? You see, our mission at the bridge is we're called to connect people to God and to one another by making disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the good of our city. That is what we're called to do. But what does that look like? And in order to understand that, we have to know who we are in order to do what God has called us to do and to be who God has called us to be. So the first point is that the church is an outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, I'm going to bounce throughout this text. So I'm not going to go in order of the text. We're going to bounce it uh, throughout the text. But in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Well, what is an ambassador? What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a person who is commissioned, he is charged, she is charged, and given authority to represent the, that nation that sent them into a foreign land. Let me say that again. An ambassador is a person who is commissioned and given authority to represent that nation that sends them and or deploys them into a foreign land. Now, what's interesting is, is no matter where you are, if you step into an embassy in a foreign land, you know that that, land, that particular piece of land is property of the United States. 
that it is now United States soil. When you step into that embassy in a foreign land, you are still on a United States soil. That we are ambassadors. We are representing a nation. We are representing a, 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 a body of people, a collective in a foreign land. We got to get that because I think for some of us, we attach our, our loyalties in a foreign land. But here's the thing that we have to understand because we are believers in Christ. We are followers in Christ that are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we're God's family on mission. We're God's family. The key part is not family. It's the fact that we belong to God. If we're ambassadors for Christ, we are representing Christ. And as a representative of Christ and as a representative of a kingdom, we have to be reminded that we represent a king. That our lives are are meant to point to, to the kingdom of God, that we represent a king. And the question that we have is how well do we represent this king? We live in a time where it's a very contentious political season. A lot of us were just like, man, if we could just get to election season, then we could breathe a sigh of relief regardless of the outcome. A lot of us were stressed out. A lot of us were had anxiety. There was people in various ways. And it didn't matter what your, your political ideology or affiliation, there was tension and stress. And the church was not exempt from it. But the challenge is, is that if we have a kingdom mission, we understand, like even Jesus said, that his kingdom is not of this world. We represent a king that is not of this world. That we are an outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land. We are on assignment here. This is not our home. So the first part is that the church is the outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land. Well, then the second point must be that God's agenda must be our agenda. If, we're, if we represent God's kingdom, then his agenda must be our agenda. How do we know that? In 2 Corinthians 5, in verses 18 and 19, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Our job, our job is to do the work of the one who commissioned us. See, one of the things that I recognize as a coach during those years of coaching and even as an athlete and, and even and, and regardless of your, of, your, of your job is do your job. What's the job? It, whatever the agenda laid out by that job, that is your job. I used to tell my athletes all the time, don't do more than what you're supposed to do. Do your job. If you do your job, do not be surprised when the outcome is what you want it to be. Our job is to do the work of the one who commissioned us. We see here in the text that, that God has given us, through Christ, has given us this ministry of reconciliation. So what is this ministry of reconciliation? See, God reconciled us to himself, but he did it for the purpose of, of mission and to reconcile others to him and to each other. That's the reason why we say intentionally about the bridge. To be the bridge is to connect people to God and one another, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, uh, that is, as we're saying, that, that reconciliation is both vertical and horizontal. What do you mean by that? 
What we mean by reconciliation is that, that first and foremost, we have to be connecting people, and first, we have to be connected to God through Christ. But then what happens is if we're connected to God properly, we'll connect to each other properly. And, and it goes even to the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The first part is the vertical dimension, but the second part is like this, as Jesus said, to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the true act of reconciliation is first vertical. It sets the agenda. It sets the anchor point by which we can relate to others well. I would almost put a point of challenge that if we don't relate to others well, if we got those relational issues First thing we need to check is whether our vertical relation with God is right. That we're given a ministry of reconciliation because God's agenda must be our agenda. And he's saying, be reconciled to God. But not only that, I'm, I'm giving you kind of a little cheat code about why, why we are the bridge, by the way, if you hadn't picked it up. And so we're seeing here that, that we are called to be bridges, that we are called to connect people, like I said, this earth, to God through Christ. But in today's language of reconciliation, we like this idea of being a bridge builder. What is the difference between being a bridge builder and being the bridge? Well, let me tell you, because there's, there's this idea, idea of a level of involvement. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of the chicken and the pig. There's a story about this, this, this chicken and this pig, and they were, with, they were talking about how good Farmer John was, and they were saying, Farmer John is this great farmer, and so let's do something special for him. Let's fix him breakfast. And so the chicken says, I will provide the eggs. Why don't you provide the ham and the bacon? And the pig is like, hold, hold, hold up. There's a whole different story. See, see you're asking one, you're, you're getting involved in the breakfast, but you're asking me to be committed to the breakfast. See, to be a bridge builder, you are building the bridge. But once the bridge is built, you're gone. But to be the bridge means that you have to stay. It means when the hurricanes come, you still have to be there. When people are driving on you, walking on you, spitting on you, you still have to be there. When there's a wreck on the bridge, you still have to remain. Why? because that was God's agenda. When this wreck called sin was wreaking havoc throughout life, Jesus stayed on the cross. When it was easier for him to get off or to call 10 legions of angels, he stayed on the cross. He showed what it meant to be the bridge and is calling us to do the same. So if the church is the outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land, if God's agenda must be our agenda, then lastly, God's cry must be our cry. God's cry must be our cry. Let me read uh, uh, 2.20 again. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen to the language. Appeal, implore. But watch this. And if you go up in, in verse 14, the text says, for the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. For the love of Christ compels us. What does God care about? God cares about people. 
The question for us is, do we care about what God cares about? Does our heart cry for the things that make his heart cry? Does our hearts break for the things that break his heart? In other words, does brokenness drive us to action? Does brokenness drive us to action? In other words, the love of Christ produces an urgency to take the heart of the believer connected to God and puts it to action. How different would our cities be if brokenness drove us to the point that the kingdom of God showed up on the scene? What would the news narratives be if the people of God, motivated by the agenda of God, with the heart cry of God, came and did the work of God? What would that look like? What would Daniel Island look like? What would Goose Creek look like? What would Charleston look like? What would Mount Pleasant look like? Where would the places where you lived, worked, and played look like? Now I'm about to land this plane. Because what does this mean for us? I think there's something for all of us here, or even online, if you are a believer in Christ or if you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer in Christ, the call is clear. Live on mission. Understand who you are. Understand that you are God's family on mission, that you are called to be the bridge, that you are an uh, outpost of God's kingdom in a foreign land. Now watch this, it's not just you, it's done in community. One of the things that I say for us is our, is our markers of discipleship. We say all the time, know, grow, and go. One, know God with a relationship through Jesus Christ. Two, you cannot grow in your walk with Christ unless you do it in community. And three, go on mission for Christ. And so that is the work of the believer. But for the unbeliever, for those of you that are like, man, I'm, gonna, I'm just checking this thing out. For those of you that, that, are, that are wrestling with, well, I, I'm, I'm cool with God, but I'm not necessarily cool with the church or anything like that. Your, your first step is the no part, to know God, to be reconciled to God through Christ. I want to encourage you again here. Now watch this. This is one of my favorite verses, verse 21. He who made, he who made the one who did not know sin, that he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is a saint? Check this out. A saint is a sinner in rehab. What do you mean by that? The first thing you got to do is admit that you have a problem. Go to Alcoholics Anonymous and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and, -so and I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. And they say, hey, so-and-so. That you admit you have a problem, sin. But that's not the second part. The second part is that you, you take the treatment. That is, that is that you accept the treatment, which is the cross, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Thirdly, you have an accountability partner. You have the Holy Spirit. When you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He gives you, as the old gospel song, a new walk. And he gives you a new talk. And then lastly, you go and live in community and fellowship with other sinners in rehab. That's the church. And the good news is, if you come and become reconciled with God, it goes to the beginning of this text 
that therefore as anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You have a new life, you have a new story, it's a new chapter. That is the work that God wants to do. But in order for other people to know who this Jesus is and how this new life takes place, the people of God, motivated by the mission of God, driven by the heart cry of God, goes on mission for him, for the glory of God and the good of our cities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are good. And God, I pray that your people will will go on mission to be light in the midst of darkness, to be salt and provide flavor, God, in this world. Lord, that you are calling us to glorify you where we live, work, and play. And that we pursue the good of our cities and we do that by pursuing you. So let us be about your mission, God. That you will find the glory, you will get the glory and the honor and the praise from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.